It's going to be a good couple of months. It's going to be good because on the cross, Jesus said seven things. And so each of the next few weeks, Bob or myself will take one of those things that Jesus said, and we're going to kind of put a magnifying glass on it so that you can see what he said a little better. Okay? So for the next seven weeks, Jesus is on the cross. He's already on there being rejected so that we can be accepted by God. You remember the story of the prodigal son, how he just leaves his family, and then he's welcomed back. Jesus was kicked out of his family so that we could be welcomed into God's family. And so for the next seven weeks, we're going to take a closer look at him being kicked out of his family. We're going to take a closer look at Jesus being kicked out of his family and us being welcomed in. They happen at the same time. This isn't just a closer look at Jesus. This is a closer look at us. Because when he is kicked out, we are welcomed in. We're going to take a closer look at that pain. We're going to take a closer look at that agony. That agony that you don't have to feel if you will trust Jesus as your own. If you will trust him, if you will follow him in this world, you will have trouble. But after, endless joy. Turn to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23, verse 32. Luke is the third book in the New Testament. Or just use your table of contents. Luke 23, verse 32. So this is Jesus being taken up to the cross and then hung on the cross or crucified. Okay, Luke 23, verse 32. Two others who were criminals, these are our thieves, two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with Jesus. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on Jesus' right and one on his left. Here comes our first one. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. John 15, 13 tells us that the greatest act of love, the greatest act of love is when someone gives up their life for their friends. That's the greatest act of love according to the Bible. That's the deepest depth of affection according to the Bible. And that's what we come up in the middle of when we come onto this scene. Jesus is in the middle of this. He's already hanging on the wood in the middle of the greatest act act of love, giving up his life for his church, giving up his life for his friends. He is in the middle of the greatest act of love. He is in the middle of God's announcement that nobody can do it on their own. So I will do it for them. They deserve to be cursed and forgotten. So I will be cursed and forgotten instead. Jesus is being crushed on the cross out of, out, of, out of nothing but pure love for us. And let's talk about that for a minute. Let's talk about being crushed because Isaiah 53.10 tells us that it was the will of God to crush Jesus on the cross. Do you know what happens when you get crushed? Do you know what happens when you get squeezed? What's really inside of you comes out. 
Let's say you've, you've had a bad day at school. I mean, really bad. This is one for the books. You've had a really bad day at school. And so you come home, and you're just already, you're just boiling. You're about to pop, and, and you get home, and your parents just ask you, how was your day? Or they just say something like, be sure you get started on your homework pretty quick. And you just lash out at them so quick. And you just say something so hateful. But they didn't, they didn't deserve that. that. That evil that just came out of you right there, that's been inside of you all day. That's been inside of you your whole life. It's just so deep inside of you that the only way that it will show itself is when you get squeezed. You may be a good kid on the field or on the court and one game somebody keeps talking smack and they're not getting caught. And so you're just about, it's over, the, over the course of the game you begin to sink deeper and deeper into this anger, into this darkness and you're about to pop and out of nowhere the ref makes a call that doesn't go your way. And, and what happens? A word comes out that shouldn't, or you slam the ball down. And, and people see you do this, and, here's, and people say, she's a good kid. It was just a mistake. He's a good kid. It was, they just made a mistake. Can I be honest with you? That thing that happened right there on the court or on the field, that's the real you. That's the deepest part of your heart that's the part of your heart that Jesus has to go to that's the part of your heart that the cross has to be seen in and this happens to adults all the time too myself included we when when we get squeezed when we get pushed we don't have the energy to keep the mask on anymore and so it falls off and the real us comes out Jesus didn't wear a mask on the cross. He never wore a mask to begin with. And so when he was crushed on the cross, the real him still came out. The deepest part of his heart came out. And it was the part of his heart that the woman caught in adultery saw. When she heard him say, when she is caught in front of all these people waiting to stone her in the act, and she hears Jesus say, neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. It's a part of his heart that Zacchaeus saw when this man had been stealing and robbing from his family his entire life, his people, his entire life, robbing, knowing what he's doing, fully aware, fully guilty, caught by Jesus, and instead of, instead of seeing Jesus' wrath and Jesus' anger and Jesus' hatred, he hears Jesus say, Zacchaeus, Come, come down and get dinner with me today. Come share a meal with me. And the part of his heart that came out on the cross is the part of his heart that Judas saw when less than 24 hours from now, less than 24 hours from Jesus being crucified, less than 24 hours away from Judas betraying Jesus, in less than a day, Judas will betray Jesus and the end of the world will begin. And, and Jesus knows all of this. And he comes up to Judas, gets in his face, and bows down and washes his feet. 
a task meant for the lowest of the low. This is the cry of Jesus' heart when he sees these three people. It is the cry of Jesus' heart when he sees us. And it is the cry of Jesus' heart that comes out when he is crushed on the cross. And the real hymn comes out. And the hymn that comes out is not met in wrath, is not met in anger, is not met in punishment, is not met in I shouldn't be doing this. It is met in mercy and forgiveness. And the real Jesus that is crushed out says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The cross is extremely important to us. Even even that statement is, is an understatement, right? Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you care about it or not, the cross is the real reason that you are here. The cross secured the kindness of God, and the kindness of God has brought you here. The cross is the reason that PVN is here. Not money, not people. It's the cross. One of the earliest names for Christians in the New Testament, um, you don't have to turn there, but Acts chapter 9, verse 2, calls Christians the followers of the way. The followers of the way. What, why would they call themselves that? The followers of the way. What way? Well, when Jesus was on earth, he told, he told his followers, and through his word, he tells us that there is only one way to heaven. There is only one way to salvation. There is only one way to eternal life. Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says this. Listen, just track with me. Acts chapter 4, verse 12. There is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. There is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. Whose name? Jesus' name. You see, Jesus secured our salvation. Well, how did he secure it? What did he use? Nails. On the cross. The cross is extremely important to us. The cross is the key to our salvation. The cross is the key to any salvation. All other religions, all religion in the world can be summed up in two paths. There is the cross of Jesus Christ or hell. Those are the two options according to the Bible. There's the cross of Jesus Christ or hell. And the cross can be summed up in one phrase. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The cross is extremely important to us. But to the Romans of that time, it was a joke. And we're going to look at that. Turn to John chapter 18. John chapter 18, verse 33. And we're going to look at the joke of the Romans and how they got the cross horribly wrong. John chapter 18, verse 33. I'm going to read for a minute and then we're going to talk about it. Here we go. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Okay, so here's what's going on. Before Jesus is crucified, he's arrested. Okay, He's arrested and he's brought to this man named Pontius Pilate. Jesus is arrested for what we would call blasphemy. Blasphemy is when you claim to be God, but you're not. That's blasphemy. Jesus had come and had said that he was the son of God. 
He was the Messiah who has come to free His people from their sins. But nobody else understood that it was to free them from their sins. All the Jews of the and this is where we come into trouble. All the Jews of the day thought that Jesus was going to come to free them using the military. He was going to come and free them from the Romans. The Jewish people were being ruled by the Romans at this time, okay? The Jewish people were being ruled by the Romans, and everyone thought that Jesus was going to come and free the Jews from the Romans. Well, people were being set free of their sins left and right, just like he had said. But nobody was being set free from the Romans. And so the Jews of the day thought, well, he said he had come to free us, and he hasn't. He must be lying when he says that he's God, and you can't do that. So they brought him to Pilate to question him, to see if he's done anything wrong. And Pilate's question is, are you the king of the Jews? Let's see what Jesus' answer is. Let's keep reading. Let's go to 33 again. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, verse 36, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Okay. So Pilate asks him, are you king of the Jews? And Jesus begins to talk about how his kingdom is not of this world. And if his kingdom were of this world, his servants, his followers would be fighting for him. And so Pilate says, so you are a king. And Jesus says, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I have come into the world, that those who are of the truth would listen to me and follow me. So Jesus says, yes, I am a king. And this is where the joke begins. This is where everyone begins to get it wrong because Pilate looks around and says, he says he's king. He has no no kingdom that I can see. He says he has followers where all all of his followers abandoned him. Remember, some of you that know, Matthew and Peter and all these guys, when Jesus was arrested, all the disciples said what? They fled. They ran away. He has no kingdom. He has no followers. And no one has been freed from the Romans. This man is ridiculous. Sure. Sure, he's a king. Okay. And so the joke begins. All right, your highness, of course you're a king. Let's keep reading. Look at verse 38. Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. Here we go. But you have a custom that I should release one man to you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you? The king of the Jews? Pilate in no way believes that Jesus is king. We just saw that. He doesn't think Jesus is king. He really doesn't care whether or not he's a king. So why does he call, the, why does he call him a king of the Jews? It's a joke. This is a joke to him. Well, if you are a king, your highness, then we should, we should fit you as a king. Let's keep going. 
chapter 19, verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. So, this is where it begins to get familiar to everybody. They gave Jesus, listen, help me, they gave Jesus a what of thorns? A crown of thorns. You see, this isn't just some Roman torture device that they thought of. Who wears a crown? A king. You see, this is the joke beginning to unfold. This is the the sick, sad joke that begins. They put a robe on him. Who wears a robe? A king wears a robe. And it was a purple robe. Purple is the color of royalty. And all the while, they're fitting him with these things. What are they chanting? All hail the king of the Jews. They're fitting their king for his throne. And they will sit him on a cross. And this whole time, and this is where we're going to pull it together at the end here, this whole time these soldiers are mocking him and beating him and making fun of him and they have no idea that they are about to be set free. And we'll get to that in just a minute, but let's continue with the joke. Um, Continue on to, all right, here we go. Turn back to Luke 23. So we're going back where we started. Luke chapter 23, verse 35. Luke 23, verse 35. So again, Jesus is being crucified here. So Jesus is hanging on the wood. He is hanging on the cross. 35. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. Okay, so the people are mocking him. Who are the people? Let's talk about that. Okay, it's Passover week when Jesus is crucified. What is Passover week? Some of you guys remember from Sunday school, Moses and the Exodus and the ten plagues and the last plague is the angel of death. And the angel of death is going to come and kill every firstborn. But the way that you stop it is you kill a lamb a lamb, and you take its blood and you smear it on the doorposts. And if the angel of death sees this, the angel will pass over your house and spare your child. They do this. This is the last plague that gets them out of Egypt. Thousands of years later, they still celebrate this. They call it Passover week. This is the biggest holiday in Jewish history. The city is packed with people, and Jesus is by far the most popular person in the country. There are thousands of people here. There are thousands of people staring at this cross that all but these Roman soldiers, the same ones who beat him, these soldiers are guarding Jesus to be sure nobody gets any ideas. The crowd is pushing against these people. These are the people that we're talking about. Now, look at what they said. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. So they're, all right, so this is why this is important. They're looking at Jesus and they're yelling, He and Him. They're not using His name. If I'm talking to Eli, I'm not going to look at Eli and say, He or Him. I'm going to use His name. They're looking at Jesus and they're shouting, he and him. Why are they doing that if they're talking to Jesus? Because they're not talking to Jesus. 
They're talking about Jesus to each other. If he is the king of the Jews, if he is the Christ, let him save himself. They are trying to get the crowd riled up. This is the joke that is getting passed around the crowd. If he is the king of the Jews, let him save himself. There are thousands of people here. This is like a concert to these people. This is an event that you would bring your friends to, to go see. This is a joke to these people, and they have no idea that the end of the world and the beginning of another world is starting on that wood, and the combination of these two worlds, the clashing of these two worlds, is beginning with a prayer. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The Roman soldiers begin to get in on this joke as well. Look at verse 36, the next verse. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine. We're going to talk more about this wine in the next coming weeks, but here's the only thing you need to know about it right now. They offered him sour wine. That's kind of random, don't you think? Someone is dying on the cross and they give him wine? Isn't it kind of strange for a man who's dying on a cross to drink wine? Yeah. But you know who it's not strange if they drink wine? Kings. They're getting in on the joke. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So, so the soldiers are in on the joke. The people are in on the joke. Now, let's go to the one that everybody knows about and take a closer look at it. Let's look at our thieves on the cross, the one that we've all heard about. Verse 39, Luke 23, 39. One of the criminals who was hanged, railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? See, there it is again. There's the joke. Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other thief rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? Now go down to verse 42. And the thief said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to the man, Truly, I say to you, today... You will be with me in paradise. Okay, this is how this usually goes. And this is how we always remember it. There are these two thieves, right? There's Jesus on the cross, and there are these two thieves. One over here, and one over here. And this thief is the bad thief. And he is hanging, now think about this. He is hanging on the cross. This man is dying. He's dying. Who cares who's next to you? You're dying. Who cares if you're making fun of him? You're dying. And this man is using his dying breaths. Not to talk to his family, not to pray, not to talk to his friends. He's using his dying breaths to make fun of Jesus. This is pure hatred. He is fueled by pure hatred of Jesus. And then you've got this other thief over here who says, Stop! Stop making, using his dying breaths to say, Stop! Stop making fun of him. Don't you know who this is? Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom. And this is how the story ends. What a a good thief he was. And you've got the bad thief and you've got the good thief. And this is how that story always goes. But this is in Luke's gospel. Matthew and Mark help paint the picture a little bit better. You don't have to turn there. So just wait while I go to Matthew 27, 44. Matthew 27, 44. Here we go. Now listen. And the robbers who were crucified with him also 
reviled him in the same way. The robbers who were with him, plural, both. Listen to Mark 15, 32. Mark 15, 32 says this. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. Both of them, both of the thieves made fun of Jesus on the cross. Now how can, how can Luke's gospel say that one of the thieves was nice to Jesus and the other two gospels in Matthew and Mark say that both of the thieves made fun of him? Isn't it, isn't it obvious? Something changed on the cross in the thief's heart. Something changed on the cross. And whatever happened to him must have happened to the soldiers too. And this is where it gets cool. Listen, well actually I want you to turn there. Turn to Matthew 27 verse 50. Matthew 27 Verse 50. So whatever has happened to this thief happened to the soldiers as well. Listen to Matthew 27, 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. So at this point in Matthew's gospel, Jesus has died on the cross. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and lifted up his spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Go down to verse 54. When the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus. Okay, real quick. A centurion is the head of a Roman group of soldiers. That's his name. We, in America, we call it a general. They call it a centurion. Centurion is the head of a Roman group of soldiers. So the soldiers and the centurion, these are the guys who have been with Jesus from the beginning. These are the ones who were beating him and mocking him and putting the crown of thorns on his head and putting the robe on him and walking up with him to the skull and putting him on the cross. And they're guarding him because of this crowd. Remember, there are thousands of people there. And they don't want anybody to get any ideas. And they're the ones that mocked him with this wine. These are the guys we're talking about. Roman Soldiers, when the centurion and those who were with him, keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Now, here's where this is. These are Roman soldiers. Rome is ruling over the Jews at this time. The Jews hated them, and they hated the Jews. I just read this quote to you by the Roman soldier from Matthew 27. This is Matthew's gospel. Matthew was a Jewish tax collector. And remember, what happened to the disciples when Jesus was arrested? Did they go with him to the cross? What did they do? They fled. Matthew has no idea what happened at the cross. So how does Matthew know what the Roman soldiers said? Isn't it obvious? The Roman soldier had to go and find Matthew and tell him what had happened and tell him what he had seen. Why Why would a Roman soldier 
responsible for killing Jesus, go to a Jewish man and tell him that Jesus was the Son of God. Unless he believed it. Thieves deserve much worse than death. Soldiers who oppress other people deserve much worse than death in battle. They deserve hell, like us. They deserve a cross, like us. But now, that soldier will never have to climb up on a cross or face something far worse. Because the man on the cross that he was making fun of was on the cross in his place. And while the thief was mocking him and the soldiers were hurling insults at him, what was really inside of Jesus came out. And it came out in the form of a prayer. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And God answered it. And in an instant, all the wrath that was being poured out on the thief and all the wrath that was being poured out on the soldiers shifted. And it was all poured out on Jesus instead. And light switched instead of wrath. And light fell on the thief. And light fell on the soldiers. And in an instant, they were set free by the sovereign grace of God alone. They were set free. And they saw him for who he was. Let's pray.